Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with Field Marshal of Face Fucking the Microphone, Chris Prunty, <laughs> along with our continued special guest, Daniel Quinn. On today's episode, we do another deep dive into the nation state of the Path of Thorns. Now, the nation state of the Path of Thorns is one of my babies, and unlike the Empire of Embers, we're not going to be ruining them by turning them into Big Papa Palpatine. So, as a refresher, uh, the Path of Thorns is a collective of freedom-loving good folk. Oh, I gotta add some yeah, fascists. They're the rebellion. Yeah. Oh, excellent. One step closer sure. to Palpatine. If we need them to be the rebellion, they are the rebellion. But in all seriousness, they're uh they are a collection of mostly Spriggan folk, uh, with a good chunk of humans in there as who believe in the adage of talk softly and carry a big stick. They actually believe in a strong diplomatic relationship and believe that they should be arguing and getting people on their side through the strength of their ideals and their ideology rather than the strength of their sword arm. However, they're also not afraid of fucking a motherfucker up when they step up and need to be taken down. Specifically, though, they're not warmongers, but they do target tyrannical dictatorships, uh, tyranny in general, anything that exploits the poorer people, anything that exploits the natural land, that's going down straight up. Uh, they are also big fans of nature and all sorts of other things as well. Yeah, that's that's gonna be. Are they big um, fans of Medicare for all? Uh, I am once again asking you <laughs> for your help in not bringing up financial support, financial support <laughs> for Medicare for all. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about their government and power, uh, their culture and the economy and resources at their disposal. So I'm going to start again, and I'm going to be very adamant when I say that when I talk about the government and power within the Path of Thorns, that the God-pacted are essentially leaders within the community, and they are the backbone of the nation itself, and they essentially get together and vote on things, and while many of them have differing ideas, the one thing that I really wanted to separate them from compared to the human foibles of our own history is that when you have ideologies like this, they tend to fall because of infighting a lot of the times. And this is the one thing that I really wanted to quash right away. Although they have varying ideas on how to walk the path of thorns, essentially, I wanted them all to be able to come together at the end of the day and be like, look, it's for the greater good. This needs to be the main focus. We can't let the arrogance and the vanity of singular people, uh, you know, be put forth compared to the collective. And that's what I wanted to put forth first and foremost. So uh, a Palpatine moment does not happen hey, yet Palpatine again. Palpatine loved democracy. He I don't know what the problem democracy. is. He, he did love fascism. Yes, it's true. Uh, so so that's that's kind of the idea that I wanted to start out with first and foremost. I want to start strong because when it comes to govern, government and power, that is the one thing that I wanted to throw out there is that they are incorruptible, so to speak. Let's add some corruption, Chris. 
So, so yeah, please go ahead and add some fucking corruption. <laughs> what I wanted their government to be was also like a series of cells. So I wanted to be like, there is maybe a group of five people. They elect a leader for that person. And that person is seen as the leader of that group. And the groups can be uh, based around, say, it's a small settlement. Because I feel like they, they have a bunch of tiny sell- settlements. I, what do you define by tiny? So I don't view them as having a huge bustling metropolis, like a huge capital city does, doesn't fit in my eye. I see it more as large. They, they built wide. Lots of states. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that's, that's pretty close to the idea that I had. They definitely have major cities, though. But it's mostly where it's like, hey, this is an area that's rich in natural resources. And there's just a bunch of us nearby, essentially. Yeah. But I do the I do agree that there is a more cell style to how they live and govern, and that there are smaller factions, many many smaller factions. Like there's an Iowa and there's a California, and they have different things in them. But I could also picture it where like in this town there is people who make up the farmers, and they have elected a leader. There are people who make up uh, the general store or like the saloon keeper or something like that and those people have also elected a leader and they view that as their council as it were i i don't see it necessarily as that fragmented but i i I see what you're talking about because when you get down to that level of minutia you run into the idea that it's down to like families at that point you know where the idea is it's it's no more than five or six people which is essentially a family back then so i did want to try and keep that separate where it's maybe i could see maybe groups of 20 people you know well, that, like, that makes a little bit more sense to me i mean i like what chris is hinting at that there could be um labor in a sense that binds some groups so you could have you know groups that they're they're like they're a smaller faction within the town or within the city um they're really important to that town because of the resources or the labor they provide so they have like a labor representative in a sense yeah yeah i like that a lot actually yeah. the the idea that there are representatives of each group is important so I suppose when, yeah, I think that Chris, you had the right idea where, but, but I think just the numbers like that particular yeah. small size is like, ah, that that's kind of what threw me a little bit. Well, I'm there. wondering how it would work on like smaller villages versus mm-hmm. one that has maybe like a thousand people, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. A unit of five is not that big, but if it's a town of a hundred people that are just like, oh, that's a very good uh, voting block. Well, and it could be also on the basis of what they provide, right? So if there's a socialist bent to this, you know, then it's like, um, what can they contribute? And then how should they be represented? Uh, Daniel, what about you? What was your idea for government and power? So did, you, did we make you throw out your Palpatine, I am the Senate idea for I this? I had a Council of Jedi, so I was going to start with that. No, actually, actually, because... I actually enjoy cultures that are not top-down structured. So this one was kind of fun to go through all of them. Um, I was thinking this kind of culture would need what you kind of hinted at, which is a, a great caucus, right? So I thought the the setting for this great caucus would be a big open field where everyone there's no place to hide and you're in the vision of everyone else, right? So you have to you – know, all these groups that Chris was talking about, would, their representatives would come together and they'd have this great debate where they talk about policy and who's going to be in charge of what. And so it's, it's like a, I don't know how frequently it could occur, but the idea is it's out in the open, everyone comes together and they have a discussion about like what the path of thorns means and what it is to, as you said, like walk the path of thorns in Mm. a great caucus. I, I really enjoy that idea because it also brings some credence to the idea that 
their community. Like it's mm-hmm. when they come together, it's a, it's a matter of like, Hey, we're having fun. We get to see people that we haven't seen in a while, but also we're here to be serious. Like let's, let's take our duties seriously and, you know, really make sure that we vote and we do everything that we need to. And then we can kind of disperse again. Yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah. I like the idea of a great caucus quite a bit, actually. And it, it, I would imagine it would have like certain ceremonial aspects to it that bind the community on top of like also having a rigid political structure to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 And speaking of kind of like a rigid political structure, I think that kind of segues a little bit into the and more like the communal idea. Yeah. I think that segues a little nicely into the culture of the path of thorns. In my mind, I have them being very outspoken, uh, very similar to a way in the Hondasans, but less angry and more like, Hey, you know what? Like they're, they're the type of people who are really gregarious to those who are, you you know, outsiders essentially. Oh, you don't, this is your friend who's, coming to a party where they know no one else and they meet the person who's like, come on, I'll, I'll introduce you. I'll get you into this group. And then that's how all of them are. For the most part, they believe strongly in community and raising everyone up together. And like, no one's, no one's, no man is an Island. Right. And so they're like, yeah, come on over, bring bring your friends, you know? Oh, Oh, you believe in that? That's wrong. And I'm going to fight you about it, but you know, we're still going to be friends. We're still going to be drinking. That's the idea behind that. I'm getting like a weird, uh, with you with the open field and the debate and kind of community, I'm seeing like a weird revivalist church setting up like tents somewhere. And like that maybe the towns aren't, uh, stationary. Maybe they're really nomadic or noble, uh, nomadic or, uh, Drifters. I like that as a fantasy element. Like, yeah. if they're like literally movable, like how could that work? Well, I mean, wagons or anything like that. But it's also the fact that families could then, when they meet up or cross section with another group, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go with them for a bit." That's that's actually a really interesting idea. I I had not had that in mind. Uh, but they're like, let's make that a subsection of the people where it's like, let's say roughly, or or actually, you know what? We can maybe even make it a a point to be like. Sometimes we set down roots. Sometimes it's time to keep moving on. Like it's a matter of how their lives are, where they're okay with settling and they're okay with moving. And it's like a really free flowing type of idea. I was just going to say, maybe the towns also have uh, like buildings that could accommodate more transient like people where it's just like, oh, this is our communal kitchen. This is our uh, bunkhouse and everything. Wait, why do you guys need a bunkhouse? You're only like 20 people. It's just like, yeah, but you know, when we have visitors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. the idea that they're, oh, that, that's actually really brilliant. So there's a, this idea of uh, public, publicly owned, you know, like no one has an individual house. It's all public housing. Oh, we need people to come in. We've got plenty of room. Come on in. We've got some of that. Don't worry about it. We've got you, you know, like as long as you're part, as long as you're walking the path of thorns, You've got our support. Like, that's not a problem. We're not going to charge you rent. Why? You're Get out of here. What, well, what are you talking about? I mean, and part of, the, part of the way that might work is that they're contributing, like, their labor product, so to speak, you know, to, to this group. And that's why they don't have to worry about charging them rent because the person who comes to that group brings what they're capable of doing to it. Yeah, that's a really good idea. It's Again, it's a real collectivist yeah. idea. That's that's brilliant. That's really, that's really interesting. They follow the harvest as it's needed. Yep. 
Yeah. And and that way it's like you don't own like it, I mean, not to be kind of, you know, cheesy or whatever, but it's like you don't own the land. You don't own the houses. You don't own the castle. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to own it. Right. You know, like that's the and that's the part of what I think is so interesting is that it obviously butts up against every other traditional trend that is happening in a land of a thousand gods because it's like, fuck you. Like stop trying to own everything. Let people just have it. Cause you're not going to use it. Like, why do you need to charge money for land? It's not your land in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what did you guys have for, uh, so I love how that's kind of shaping up. What, what, what other cultural aspects did you guys want to touch on? Chris, now it's our chance to ruin it. <laughs> Go! <laughs> no, I actually like the uh, communal aspect of it because, I don't know, I, I've always kind of uh, loved the don't want to say a slur. Uh, <laughs> uh, Romani. Romani nature. lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Don't yeah. want to. You could also just say vagabond, Travelers. or traveler. Yeah, there you go. What do they call the Ravenloft? Probably a racial slur. <laughs> Probably. No, they had a name. They had a name. It was. It was like a ripoff of Romani. Or... Oh, I forgot what it was. Never mind. It was ripoff. Ripoff. It was a ripoff. Well, of, that is of, kind of, of a slur. the Romani. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right, uh, Daniel. What was? Uh, so I'm sorry, Chris. You were saying. I don't know. I like the the traveling aspect of them. All right, oh, yeah. Vistani. That's what they called them. Vistani. Vistani. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> and as you can tell, even in the Path of Thorns, you know, not everyone's going to bring the same amount to the culture and the in the community that everyone would. For example, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some people bring negative amounts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of, go ahead and shit all over it, Daniel. What do you got so for us? Mine does involve some violence. Hey. Yay. So I was thinking, um, per, this is kind of a place that's more cultural to practice. So I'm thinking there's a there's a literal place that they call the Path of Thorns, and this place is kind of like a giant canyon that's well known to the nation. And it's a really horrible canyon in the sense that it's full of all kinds of natural dangers, like whether it's jagged, you know, cliff sides or like dangerous foliage and animals that are problematic. And what the, the what happens in this place? Do they do, do the animals use word like gypsy? Yes. Is that there's, there's racist animals like it's terrible. <laughs> so basically what what the Path of Thorns followers do is they take their ch- children from different cultures um, like different, I guess, like subsections of the Path of Thorns followers. Okay. And they deposit them into this place and they basically have to survive for however long as a community or die. And it's the rite of passage for the children in the Path of Thorns. So they've got to learn how to A, master the land and also work with each other or otherwise they perish individually. That's actually, okay, that's really cool. I'm a little worried uh, about like the vicious nature of it, honestly, but I do like that. That actually kind of brings me to a, to a place where it's like, I like the idea where you get all of the people together and just throw them in a group. Some might be human. Some might be Spriggan. They're different kinds of children. Yeah. Well, no, but more like the idea that that they're they're, murdering. (laughs) They're testing more like the idea that they're, um, they're taking a lot of the ideals that they're that they have yeah. and and like it, it's kind of like galvanizing their political beliefs in a way because it's like my family believes in this my mm-hmm. follow or my my leader believes in this 
and then you get a different viewpoint of the same thing. And it may and, save your life, like when you're out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. So there. So let's. I want to take away the deadly aspect of it. So maybe it's a matter of uh, oh, uh, Penny Arcade has something similar to this. It's the Thorn Watch, right? Where there, where there's essentially like a very extreme version of the Boy Scouts. Yeah, that's where, what I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, I can support something yeah. like that. I mean, that's... I would imagine most kids don't actually die because it would be counterproductive to their population. You know, let's be <laughs> but real. They, maybe though. they get wounded. Like you could really hurt yourself. I was going to say kids yeah. have definitely died before, and then kids I'm sure have died. But yeah. like I'm sure it's not the goal. It's like let's thin the herd from like ten kids to three. You know, that's not their goal. But they could also <laughs> go in there with someone who is like. A in charge. Oh, like, like a guy, a survivalist, an or older anything. kid. Yeah. who's yeah, maybe who's gone through it before and kind yeah. of supervises things a yeah. little bit. Right. The idea is that you're supposed to figure out a lot of things on your own. You're supposed like to that. come together, but he is there to be like just like, oh, there's a don't eat. That. I don't know a wavering or something, and he's just like, didn't plan for this. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Why don't you go back for a bit? Yeah, yeah. I like that idea that the older kid who's in charge of the younger ones is also part of the ritual of getting older. Yeah. Because it's not... To guide others. Yeah, it's to guide others as well. Yeah. It's it's not just a matter of, hey, we live in a collective, you know, mm-hmm. we have to rely on each other. It's, hey, we have we live in a collective and also you have to be shown, like you have to be a leader to others. Right. Like it's, it's all together. And it, I think that showing that and conveying that through practice is really important. And that's a really yeah. cool way to do it. To walk the path of thorns. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, did, well, so is that also one of your points of interest as uh, well no. or no good? Because that's in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for culture and everything. Do you feel like they're a barter society since no one owns the land? There's no income from like rent and such, but there has to be some sort of, Hey, you plow the field. Uh, I'll give you food for tonight and, and everything. I'd like to believe that there are certain universal things that are just like a given like everyone eats everyone has a roof over their head and then i feel maybe beyond that you're kind of on your own in a lot of ways uh there was a fantasy world that they literally had a coin that they called uh a favor and it was mainly that so people could trade for things that you can't really do that with like oh sure you're gonna give me um 300 pounds of fish that's great i'm never gonna be able to finish that but if you were to build me a smokehouse and then give me a hundred pounds of fish, we come up even, or maybe we don't, in which case I owe you a gift. Here's a favor. And it's kind of like a culturally accepted thing that it's just like, oh, you're giving me this because someone else owes you something, but I now owe you, uh, I'll take up that debt and now do this for you. I can totally see that happening in the path of thorns. It's a matter of what do we need right now? And what do we need to not just live, but also thrive? You know, like I think education is also an important thing that's going on as well, where, you know, it's it's a roof over your head, food in your belly and an education. So you're not sitting around being I mean, I know this is a magical fantasy world and it's an impossibility in our current system. Well, I mean, what you're talking about, Chris is talking about, too, is like, okay, so how do you move from the currency and like the systems we have now? to like something that's not based on currency, right? Or monetary system. And if you think of like, okay, if you think of Star Trek, right? The way they set that up, and even in like Marxist theory, the way they set that up is there's there was some kind of production system in place beforehand where they had that whole kind of capitalist structure that gets dismantled. And now suddenly the, the, the mechanisms they had, all the resources are distributed. 
and controlled by the people. Right. So it, it could be the case that in the Path of Thorns, they have access to some like important resources that now they could communally control. That at some point in the past, maybe they controlled it in a warlike way or in a like not democratic way, you know. And now they now they've evolved to the state. Uh, yeah, I, I think that actually shows a little bit of history. And the idea mm-hmm. that they're also functioning within an inherently capitalist society mm-hmm. is important because yeah. it's not like they don't believe in money. You know, it's like, look, we understand that like when you're in the walls or within your when you're in the borders of the Path of Thorns. Yeah. That gold in your pocket tends to have a lot less value. It's kind of like uh, the was pressed latinum in Star Trek. Like they use they, <laughs> they trade that stuff outside of uh, of the Federation, but in the Federation, there's not that that concept anymore. Right? Because yeah. What are you going to trade it for? Exactly. It doesn't have any value. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's rather interesting kind of workaround. You know where they they because the one of the origin points for the Path of Thorns is that. They essentially started as a an exploited and subjugated people under the rule of a tyrannical dictator and through a combined force of arms rose up and overthrew that dictator. Oh, that's perfect because yeah. then probably they have access to whatever that dictator had before and now they've right. learned to control and distribute it. And not, yeah. not only have they learned to control and distribute it, but they've also gotten so good that they are in fact expanding beyond right. their own borders, yeah. which I, which I think is also really important. And this is the thing, right? Like, this is why I want, because ima- this is the kind of thought experiment that I kind of went through is imagine 1500s Europe or 1500s, the world. Now imagine that Marxist theory was applied <laughs> suddenly apparent. like two to 300 years <laughs> earlier right. where it's like, Oh, it has much deeper roots mm-hmm. now that it's a little bit earlier. Right. And I think that when you get something like this, now that people tend to see that there is a, an alternative, mm-hmm. which is going to get into it, which is something that I've really been kind of studying recently is the idea that capitalism is a system mm-hmm. is like the thing from John Carpenter where it assimilates and absorbs everything that it has to the point where even controlled opposition is a thing. Even like where we are now, the strongest point in capitalism is the idea that there is no alternative system. And moreover, it also tries to pre-corporate whatever alternative there might be. So even when you're fighting against the system, you're actually still within the confines of that political system. And thus it's even more difficult to get around or, and and it sees itself as axiomatic almost, right? It's what you're saying. Like it's the beginning and the end of itself. More, more than that. It believe it, the stage capitalism, (laughs) there is a presupposition that it is natural. This is the natural state Mm -hmm. of the world. And this is what it will default to because there's an assumption that that's how we behave. Right. Exactly. And thus we have to fight against that right. and, and understand that we can move away from that. Yeah. Well, that's why I love talking about this particular nation because you're, it's, it's like, obviously they don't live in a post scarcity world, right? Like there's still resources. They're still competing quote unquote pre-capitalist countries out there. Right. And they're, but they're trying to behave in a way that's very different than that. So then how do you reconcile the two? Like they don't quite have unlimited resources. They don't. So they're not post scarcity. So how are they dealing with stuff like, you know, exchange of goods you know so maybe it has to do with labor right and that's actually part of why i wanted to make sure that when it comes to when it comes to the their biggest kind of threat to their society right now besides the idea of a 
you know, capital, a proto, <laughs> well, no, no, a proto capitalist kind of backlash. Oh, right. Yeah. There's also the idea that what is going to cripple them more than anything mm-hmm. is the idea of sustainability. Right. How do you come up with this ideal in an, in an, in an, in a time period mm-hmm. that is hard to live by? You don't have the technology, time. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. technology is just not there in yeah. a lot of cases to support that many people. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I first came up with the idea of the Path of Thorns, the biggest threat to them was the idea that they have now expanded too much mm-hmm. and their resources are wearing thin. Yep. And then I think Chris in another episode also introduced the idea that there is a now uh, an invasive species that is somehow disturbing the crops. Uh-huh. And so now you're now you're stretching that even thinner to the point where how strong are your ideals? Mm-hmm. How much can you, in this particular type of world, adhere to a society where everyone is fed and taken care of when that food is becoming more and more scarce? I don't want it to be a violent threat. I wanted it to be a threat of the ideological. Right, right. Woo! That's a lot... Thanks for those who are fucking kept with it. Cause that was like a good solid <laughs> 10 minutes of uh, political theory that we got into and apply. But I think that's also important wow. to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think it's, I think it's important to apply certain things of the real world to a fantastical setting. Cause that's part of the fun where you take that idea and just extrapolate it and like plant a seed and watch it grow. Yeah. You Otherwise know? you're just dealing with the same boring empires, right? You know, this is how we get Tolkien over and over again in traditional fantasy. <laughs> God damn it. Yes, there is. When you get the 12th iteration of Lord of the Rings in 10 years and you're like, fuck off. I don't care about you. Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> just one. <more> unfinished <laughs> uh, oh, we've, who have we um, shot on so far? Let's see. China Miaville. No, I love Brandon, China. Miaville. I shot. Fu- yeah. You shot. Then, him. I love you China just shot on Sanderson. So I look, we I haven't read any of Brandon Sanderson. I cannot say that he's bad or good. Keep a list. Uh, what? We, so we, we can never have them on our show. No, we'd have them on just to have, look, 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 look. I'm going to, I'm going to. A famous author saying it just like, so I heard that you talk shit about me would also be, be so just like, great. Hey, actually, I know. actually, that'd be amazing. Like, yeah. We just come here and yell at us. Yeah. No. So, so the idea that I have, right. Is that I'm going to throw a name out there that people love. And the only book of his that I've read is notorious in my circle of friends for being garbage. <laughs> and Chris knows what it is. Cause he's read it and he agrees with me. There is. So the gentleman who made the forgotten realm setting, his name is Ed Greenwood. Okay. He is a legend in the industry. And the only book by him I have ever read is a book called the wizard's mask. It was under the Paizo imprint. And it is one of the most infuriating books I have ever read. I hate fucked this book to the end to make sure that it's like, oh no, it was actually that bad. Not since Prince of Thorns have I hate fucked a book like I hate fucked the wizard's mask. And it now I every time we have a new friend come into the group, like here, read this book. It's garbage. I had a friend who read it and he's like, I finished it. I closed it and I threw it across the room. <laughs> wow. What is, I mean, you t- I mean, mentioned this before, but what is so terrible about it? It's like a, the first 150 pages, pages is a chase sequence. Yes. Oh and God. not even a good chase sequence. So not like sequence. Mad Max. It's just a useless chase sequence. Exactly. Okay. And it's and there's also a whole weird creepy sub theme of like 
there's I a, find this small girl erotic. Yeah, oh. it's like she's a halfling so a woman, Lolita and he, 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 yes, it? but okay. not not in a, like a Nabokov way, uh-huh. but like in a way that's super creepy. It's like it's a halfling, okay. and he makes sure that it's like she's definitely an older woman, but like to the human, he's like, oh. It looks like a small child to me, and they have. It's super oh, creepy. What and weird. the hell? It's also just like, why do I care about any of this? I don't care about what any of this Mr. at all. Greenwood. That's a great question. Hold on, man. We got we got seriously sidetracked do there. That. Hold on. Uh, okay, let's 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 let's, let's let's bring it on back. All right, so let's. Let, let, I know that we went off a huge tangent. <laughs> Thank you for still listening. So let's bring it on back. Uh, where were we? We were, we were on economy, economy and resources. Oh. I was talking about the idea that the major threat that yes. they find is the lack of resources yeah. or actually the thinning amount of resources that I want to get into. That's the idea that I had. What did you guys have in mind? Chris, you kind of already brought it up with the barter system. So that's, yeah. that's a good transition. Daniel, what did you have in mind? Um, So this is interesting because it'll, it's a question of how it factors into their thinning resources. But um, I had the idea of um, what I call um, chameleon weed. Um, and it's not like something you smoke, although I suppose you could. Um, but it just the, doesn't do anything for you. That's it doesn't all. really do it. My, the concept, it's like me and edibles. <laughs> right. Well, the concept is that you, like the um, uh, spriggan, this weed can take on, it grows and it can take on the forms of things it grows near. So it's they harvest this weed so that they can grow structures with it. So, for example, suppose they have like um, a tower, not a tower, something smaller. So like a house. Right. And they need they run out of um, whatever resources they normally use to build a house with stone or wood or whatever. It's not available. They've they've carried this the weed and they grow it in the area and the weed placed next to the house starts to take on its shape. And so they can use it to create structures with it. or say they want it to have to build a bunch of weapons. They can build it with that. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. I, I've got this idea. So, yeah. uh, j- just as a reminder, the God pacted ability of the path of thorns huh. is to create explosive plant growth within, yeah. Oh, without, that's perfect. Within plants. Yeah. And then moreover, it also creates an, an iron, uh, like consistency. Uh-huh. So it's as strong, it's strong. as iron. So yes. maybe like this, what it is, is they, they, this is the strain they use to build with. Yes, you know? yeah. exactly. And what I had um, in mind is the idea that you're not using the, the stones mm-hmm. as like a, as a house. No. It's more of a, Hey, this is what we're going to grow over it. And then once it's grown over, we take that out. we're going, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of right. like a mold essentially yeah. to like, okay, this is what a house is going to look like. And then they build the house. Right. They let it grow over in like a natural setting, use their God pacted mm-hmm. ability to kind of create a, a really strong structure and then take all of yeah. the stone out to reuse it over and over again. So maybe, um, I'm thinking about the scarcity of resources that's happening. And like you said that there was a, like a vegetation that's invasive. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a strain of that invasive uh, uh, vegetation that they've cultured that they can then use with their ability to mirror other things because they're running out of like their resources to do that. That's an interesting idea. So it's an invasive species and that they then kick up a notch to grow rapidly. So yeah. it's an invasive species in the sense that it has destroyed many a crop. Yes. But they've found a use for it yeah. in the meantime. So it makes me think of kudzu, which is like this really invasive species of like leafy vegetation that grows in Asia, like over huge swaths of area. So that's what I was thinking out when Chris mentioned an invasive like vegetation. 
That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, kudzu is notorious for kind of. I think it's Asian, right? Mostly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, uh, the other thing I did want to bring up because I feel like we've kind of covered all of the resources and the culture and everything like that. What you know, one thing I always have to ask: What do they eat? What is their what is their food like? And to me, the idea that I had is because it's kind of, uh, you know, made on a mass market, so to speak, or, or to be fed to a lot of people, it is oftentimes plain, you know, like very simple, a lot of easy to make st- type stuff that's going to feed a lot of people. But at the same time, it's going to be good. You know, like it's going to be like, it's not going to be extravagant and it's not going to be particularly tasty. Maybe they add spices of some sort to it, but it's like a plain food by itself. I was thinking just like a lot of bread, honestly. Oh, okay. um, oatmeal. Yeah, yeah, oatmeal, oatmeal for yeah. example. Because the other thing is when when the God Pact did use their it's not like they can just Im- create a whole bunch of um food right away because it turns whatever it is into a steel consistency. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, hey, I've got grape shot with literal grapes. Because it's again, it's a steel pellet, right? So Maybe- you can't eat the food once it's been grown. Maybe they have different kinds of like really magical yeasts. How so? So like I don't know yeast you grow bread with it, right? Maybe you can make other stuff with it, but it's all yeast based. Are you seeing some sort of, like yeast vats? <laughs> maybe I know. I'm like, maybe? what are you? What are you getting? Yeah, at like here? maybe they can brew stuff with it, but maybe they can make other kinds of foods that you wouldn't expect to come from from yeast. Yeast loafed. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like oh oh you know it's it's essentially it's a little organism right mm-hmm. the actually speaking of yeast the other thing that i wanted to make pretty common and this again adds into community and you know the people who want you to come and join them at the table they're big drinkers of beer and mm-hmm. ale in general because you know why wouldn't they be i think that libations are always helpful with making new friends and everything like that so yeah that makes sense yeah. There's lots of breweries. I mean, there's lots of craft breweries in Path of Thorns. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. I think that, like, there's also, I, I'm thinking about it now, there is definitely a god-pacted who is a master brewer, and that's, like, kind of his whole thing. And, you know, there is, like, that aspect to it where when you want to walk the Path of Thorns, there's this idea that he is the person who's going to be a great diplomat, and he's basically like Winston Churchill who just gets fucking sloshed every day and then goes out there and makes the most diplomatic moves and like makes sure that, you know, shit gets done, basically. I will be sober in the morning, but you will still be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, with all that, I mean, I think that that's a pretty good, clear vision of what the Path of Thorns looks like. Uh, treating people like people, the idea that food and a roof over your head or a universal right and a whole bunch of political theory that got mixed up in there too uh cross-pollinated if you will uh but yeah so that'll do it for this episode my name is rob hilferty here with daniel quinn and chris prunty and you can reach us if look if you want to send us some kind of a politically charged rebuttal vote palpatine guys yeah 2020 uh vote for big papa palps yeah and you can send us an email, a strongly worded email, to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and send us a carrier pigeon in the form of a tweet at Let's World Build. 
And uh, yeah, until next time, guys, remember that we love you very much and hope you have a great week.